Welcome, listener. You found the latest episode of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, your weekly trip around the state, getting all as many perspectives as possible of the the beautiful game here in the Great Lakes State. My name's Robert Kerr, your host with you. Uh, Glad to be here with you, uh, here recording on the 25th of January. This week, we take a deep dive into the rebuild or the new build for Detroit City FC's USL Championship roster with uh, the crafters of the announcement media materials. Uh, We've got interviews with writer Sean Spence, as well as a guest interview with graphic designer and video producer John Hevron. Um, Before we get to those, uh, uh, quite a number of Michigan soccer notes, uh, plenty of those uh, on socials. Check out at MI Soccer Central for Michigan Soccer Central content. Tons of stuff always flying in there. But uh, just today, a few notes. Uh, The National Soccer Club based here in Michigan announced this week a partnership with the Michigan Rebels Football Club, creating a a so-called Pro pathway for the club. Uh, Nationals players in uh, post high school age participating in the Rebels teams um, in both UPSL and the UWS. Um, Interesting development for youth clubs adding uh, post high school age groups. Um, This setup seems uh, somewhat similar to uh, Corktown AFC partnering with the Hawks to become the Corktown AFC Hawks giving those Hawks players uh, a post-high school place to play. And uh, more on that story next week as we have uh, Flint City Bucks and the new Flint City AFC president, Costa Papista, on the show to chat about that new women's team that's an offshoot from Corktown, but it's the Flint City AFC women's team will be... Uh, on USLW, and uh, we talked to him about that team and USL and uh, quite a few uh, fun other topics. Also, just before recording, uh, the new U.S. Open Cup format was dropped, and uh, there's a lot to chew on in the uh, the in the the release. Um, so there'll definitely be more on that next week. But something to take away from it is uh, the Michigan representatives will be Detroit City FC as well as the Michigan Stars. Kalamazoo FC qualified from winning the USL League 2 division, but declined their offer, and uh, that invitation went to the Nor'easters. Definitely more on that to come. Uh, New format for the 107th edition of the U.S. Open Cup, which will start in March, which will uh, change uh, the way... uh, Rosters will be built for the uh, amateur teams uh, for sure. Check out the socials at uh, Michigan Soccer Central uh, for all sorts of updates because <laughs> there's ever-changing uh, things going on in uh, Michigan uh, soccer for sure. So let's dig into this uh, unique moment. Detroit City FC building their inaugural roster in the USL Championship. So we got the crafters. The words on the written page, as well as the uh, the visual designs going along with all these great announcements over the last couple of weeks. So we got an interview with Sean Spence, followed by a guest interview from guest contributor 
Kyle Clayton with John Hevron here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. All right, listener, very excited for our next guest. One of the crafters describing uh, this unique era of uh, the build-out of the new uh, USL Championship DCFC roster. Uh, Author of the uh, Patreon page, Words About Shapes, the author, Mr. Sean Spence, is joining me. Thank you, sir, for joining me tonight. Robert, it is my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, let's talk about Detroit City. <laughs> yes, I wanted you on because your uh, your writing that's going along with all of the uh, player announcements has been brilliant. Um, I've, I, as a soccer nerd, I've really been enjoying the process. Each day there's teases, you got the graphics, and your articles <laughs> all hand in hand going through your writing. Um has some great like fantasy tangents and asides, um, some great personal anecdotes from your, you know, being on the scene with the club uh, for a very long time, as well as um, some adept analysis of the players themselves have been signing. And I want to ask you between uh, 10 players over the last two weeks and a couple other articles, right. your fingers need a rest. Uh, not at all, actually. Um, it's uh you know, we had our last of the 10 uh, yesterday of this, you know, kind of initial run. And so I've had a couple days off or a day off now. Um, and uh, I'm kind of ready to get back at it. Like, you know, let's, uh, let's go buy some guys. <laughs> yeah. I feel um, like there's probably a lot of people out there uh, in that process uh, writing as a craft, kind of going at this whole process through uh, the writing lens. Um, writing is a muscle. And you get out of the habit, you the we the muscle gets weaker. But when you're in the mix, you can just rattle it off, eh? Yeah, it really is like that. If you can kind of you know keep your um like keep your kind of mental discipline and know how you get into that flow state, like it's not it gets increasingly easy to get there. So, um, like I said, ten players and a great uh, base of this team. Uh, it kind of, kind of takes shape of the bedrock of it, and you, you, you right. already said it. <laughs> let's guys, let's get some guys. So, what is going on at the club right now? Uh, what's, what are the next steps then? Um, well, I think that what we've just seen the the kind of two week spooling of these uh, ten guys that we've signed is kind of phase one of the player acquisition process. Um, they're guys that were either, um, I mean, this is you know. Nisa guys, um, our guys coming back or, uh, you know, like lay, lay drop is a dude we've had before and that we kept in contact, Trevor kept in contact with, um, and, and, um, the, the newest guy who I'm, of course I'm blanking on his name. Um, something well done. Well, <laughs> Mr. Dunwell, uh, Brad Dunwell, um, is a guy that kind of has been, you know, an aspirational, um, recruit for us throughout his career until right now. Um, and is kind of a, a guy who illustrates the jump that this roster is going to take over the course of this off season. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who's frankly, whose profile left city in the shade for, you know, most of the time we were trying to get him to come here. So, so we reached uh, through like kind of an Americanism of American soccer, his club that was at a higher tier than Detroit, uh, you know, disappeared out of business right. and kind of 
uh, fell into the lap of the now at that tier Detroit city. Right. The, um, uh, you know, OKC energy taking the, taking hiatus, which I mean, you know, in all likelihood means they're not coming back. Um, means that all their players are up for grabs. And um, obviously, I, I think it, it, Trev, I think, knew sometime in the middle of the year that the USL was a thing that was going to happen. So he's been scouting this already. And the, you know, Dunwell's a guy that seems an obvious choice. You know, I mean, he's he was a, a very highly regarded recruit, um, went to Wake Forest, which is, you know, a top five program maybe around there um it started every every match his entire career at the beginning of his senior year was considered the number three recruit in the nation um going out into the pro rec so i mean this is a guy who's who many many scouts have had a lot of positive things to say about his potential right through the years um he's two-footed i mean we're gonna i guess we're just gonna start with this guy you know he's two-footed he's a good athlete he's he's 25 years old um just 25 he'll be his birthday is on new year's eve um so yeah i mean uh, i think that you know that he's a great acquisition and the only one of the of the guys that we brought in who is really kind of new to us um uh i said i was going to do this in order of <laughs> but I just I think I'm reorganizing this in my mind as like no go. we we can just follow our thread here <laughs> because um that kind of the the player falling into the lap kind of follows a thread uh, I've been reading a lot of your writing and there's been plenty of it like with all these announcements and like with similar to Maxi Rodriguez and um of Patello Faz like their teams <laughs> you know their teams went right. away and. Detroit was there at the right time with the right connections to, to some players that were above level at that, at that moment. Right. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that is a testament to the um, quality of person and quality of recruiter um, that Trevor James is the manager for Detroit city that he, these are guys he's been in contact with, you know, um, or that he's, you know, he's touched base with them at some point and he's, you know, he's, he's got his ear to the ground and knows when a guy is like suddenly in a bad situation. Um, he's, you know, he's got a good relationship with agents. I mean, it's a whole thing um, that is not easily replicated by, um, you know, someone who's say 35 years old, no matter how talented they are and no matter how good their career was as a player, like, you know, um, the, the, the depth of the web of connections that Trevor can command is, is incredible. Um, and you know, because of that, we, we turn up players who, who can help us and need somewhere to play fairly routinely. Um, which I think that I hope that our fan base doesn't get sort of blase about because that is a, a rare talent that, you know, we sort of have seen, you know, it's like if the loaves and the fishes were like something you did every weekend, like, eh, we need more food. <laughs> but well, yeah, th th there's definitely, uh, it was abundantly clear. I mean, it has been since he started, but especially uh, over the last uh, year or two in Nisa that um, mm -hmm. there was a level of now to the recruitment that um, 
was yeah not common in that group of uh, teams and clubs. But um, I was going to ask you, uh, we have 10 players, right. um, and you said this initial run of announcements was kind of like the, the bedrock phase, and then, you know, it's, right. it's, it's, it's kind of chasing players from there. So if this is the, the, the bulk of the um, players that have been brought back, there's one big name that um, is not amongst those. Um, yeah. What is the future? Um, possibility of seeing Cyrus Sadie amongst these announcements. I, the impression I get is that that is entirely up to Cyrus at this point. Um, you, you know, it's easy to tell from the quality. You know, looking at the midfielders we brought in, um, that his role would not be as prominent in the in the season to come as it was, as it traditionally has been. Um, however, I still think that he could be a tremendous asset as a member, as a, you know, a, a squad member in the roster, a guy who can start, you know, 15 games and, and get 10 sub appearances and come in and bring quality and also be a real attribute to building the spirit and, and idea of the team. Having said that, um, you know, he's 29, I think. Um, and, you know, he, I think that going to Nisa was a step up in commitment for him. And I don't know how much he wants to um, show up and grind every day. And, you know, and, it, you know, um, I, I, I don't know what he's thinking right now. Um, but I do not expect um, that he would be he's not a guy that we're going to just discard, you know, be like, well, you know, he's got to play a part somehow. Listen, kid, it's a tough old world. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't think that we're not going to do that to, you know, the one club man. Um, so, yeah. you know, he was the, 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 definitely the first player that caught my eye. The first time I, I went to, uh, to Keyworth. Yeah. Uh, he, he did something real special. I think he had like a left foot curler goal in a preseason game or something like that. And I was like, Oh, okay. There's some, there's some cooking going on here. Yeah. I, you know, Cyrus's quality, it has been obvious, you know, every, every moment really. Um, and you know, he is a guy that you, that, you know, it's not unusual. For example, my, um, my brother-in-law came to see a match um, after like five years of cajoling, you know, finally came to see a match this year. And Cyrus was the guy. He was like, man, that guy is like classy. And exactly, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's so good that he's obviously good. Um, You know, the question is whether he's going to want to, you know, put it all out there um and and give up this much time and do all the travel and do all the you know and go through the exhaustion and the emotional turmoil that the season always brings um to be a you know squad player at best you know does so, uh, the the elevation to the USL championship provide squad players like you know a comfortable living wage to where they could step away from other um, jobs. Yeah. I mean, as I understand it and I mean, you know, my understanding is human. 
and limited. Um, but I would I would say, I, I, as I understand it, all players in the in the USL are represented by the USL Players Association, and they have they have like minimum contracts. And I th- I think the minimum wage for a full time player, which you know all of our players will be, is is thirty thousand dollars. So you know, it's not amazing. Um, but it's also not like starvation wages, um, which is new for us. Um, the idea that the 25th guy on the roster is going to make 30 grand. Um, I mean, you could do the math pretty quickly right there and see that this is going to be, a, we're going to have a lot more money in payroll than we ever have before. By leaps and bounds, right? Right. I mean, I think 25 times 30, if you know, is, is 750,000 and you know, that's, that's the floor. Um, so, and we're, I, you know, I do expect us to have a couple of, or three guys who are maybe gaudier talents, um, who are, we're paying a lot of money from, or that we worked out some kind of like miracle loan deal for, um, I, you know, I could totally see that happening. Miracle um, loan. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, Trevor knows people and we are at a level now where, um, you can be, you can expect that if you're fancy winger, who's, you know. 18 and you just signed to a homegrown deal for three years and they really need to get matches. Well, they're going to get matches at a pretty high level in the USL championship. Um, and you know, you know, if you've been paying attention, you know what Trevor James does with his players, how they improve. So I think loans are absolutely could be on the table as part of the roster building, um, to add like a little bit of sparkle on one end or, or to just add like youth players who, you know, maybe we're kind of kicking the tires on, um, things like that. Um, you made my eyebrows wiggle with uh miracle loan. Like I didn't even think about anything like that. That's, a, I just think that's that, a fun, that's a fun thought. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it remains to be the devil's in the details. There are, you know, like MLS to USL loans and there's been other loans. Um, but, a lot of it is down to kind of how the rules are written and to whether the systems of loans between a particular nation and our nation are compatible kind of. Um, but I mean, we've got, the other thing is that uh, I believe, I believe we've signed 10, 10 players, all of whom um, are considered domestic players. Um, the only two internationals of this group are Abdullah Jop, who is, you know, from Ghana, but has lived in Florida since he was 13 um, and Stevie Carroll, who I believe it was announced he had a green card um, last year. So, uh, you know, that's a lot of internet, uh, you know, eight roster slots out of 15 remaining. That's a lot of um, players from, you know, Mexico or Argentina or wherever that you can bring in. That's uh, exciting to put it in that context uh, for sure. Um, going, I want to uh, go into your work a little bit and to get into the the, the players that we've already done. Um, yes. Your essays, at words about shapes, um, Patreon page. Uh, I love the format in which you presented the players. You had. Uh, uh, some, some, some great titling and, uh, like a backstory and sometimes tangential, uh, fancy stories yeah. into the backstories of the players. And then like, uh, some really great, uh, breakdowns of the, the player themselves. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, 
Had you done that in years past in that way? Um, you know, I've I've written for many years, um, and I've tried many different formats for this kind of content. Um, uh, you know, this year I'm I'm trying to do a little bit more of um, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not taking um, I'm not pretending in any way that I am objective. Um, I think that that horse has left the barn. <laughs> just like in my particular case, but also in, in journalism in general, um, it's better to just sort of put your cards on the table and say, look, you know, this is where I'm from. This is what I'm about. Now I'm going to talk about this and you can kind of sift it as you need to based on what you know about me. But, you know, I'm here and you can ask me questions. It's fine. Um, you know, rather than do like kind of taking on this omniscient narrator, you know, perspective which i think you know you just wind up sort of washing your opinions with the with the eyewash of objectivity but you know it's sports i mean your opinions are going to be part of this um especially if you're you know i'm evaluating players i'm, I'm scouting the signings i'm saying yeah this is why this is good and this is why it you know could be tricky we'll see um so yeah <laughs> i had mentioned uh um titling because um it was nate steinwasher's uh piece that uh that kind of really won me over uh, choosing to believe uh was, was a great title and uh it's so apt for uh there was a lot of question was he gonna like you know keep going with this path or go uh, right. with uh um hit the the financial job and right. it was kind of like is he going to take that step are they going to bring him with them like which way down the path and then here he is like you know choosing to believe in that you know the the, the soccer dream you know of a child you know child you know childhood dream of being a pro soccer player right i you know i mean a part of what i'm trying to do um here i i have the i have this sort of like you know grandiose ideas about what you're trying to do when you're writing about sports and and um you know, I, 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 one of the things I find compelling about the whole thing is that ever there's all these intertwining narratives and it get, it's so very complex and, and, um, the people in the stands bring their own things to the table or whatever. Um, and you can't really get into that unless you have some idea of what these players are going through. You know, is this, is this old hat? Is this new? Is this striving? Is it whatever, you know, uh, what range of human experience is this? Um, and so really, honestly, a lot of what it is, is I sit there with like, you know, instrumental music in my headphones and I go deep in my mind, like into imagining what it's like to be that player and to be like, given kind of what I know about them and especially like this group, I, most of these people I knew, you know, I wasn't just like looking at their career path and imagining it, but like, I kind of know their personalities and what they're like. Um, and I tried to like, you know, represent that. Like, what does this mean to the team? What does this mean to the player? Where is this in the player's career? Um, how are we intersecting here? You know, is this, uh, how does this player intersect with what we're trying to accomplish this year and all that? Um, which and, player know, were you most like, uh, you know, excited to get into that zone to write about out of all this, uh, these first 10 players? Um, you know, Pato was a player that I really, um, 
I think he has a really interesting kind of aesthetic <laughs> in his play. Um, and I, my impression of him is that he's extremely self-effacing and like wants to kind of share any limelight that comes his way, you know, really, really dramatically in a way. I mean, a lot of guys are kind of like that, but he's very like that. Um, and, you know, as I thought about it, like I, I kept thinking about a canical for Leibowitz, which is, you know, one of my favorite books I read like in middle school. Um, and the phrase, my execrable vanity, um, kind of runs through that book. And I kind of, like, it kind of resonated with me like that. That seems like probably how Pato maybe thinks about it. Like he'll, he'll score and in a moment kind of like momentarily glorify himself and kind of like, you can see him pull out of it. Like, no, 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 no. This is all about all of us. I want to share this somehow. Who, Who am I sharing this with? Um, and you know. Of course, it's all speculative. You know, I'm I'm really writing kind of emotional tone poems about what I've witnessed. Um, I could definitely pick up the tone poem with the uh, Amu Mensa piece. Yeah, you know, um, Devin is a guy like I right away thought he was very impressive. Um, the first time I saw him was in that Stars match. Um, yeah, we should clarify, Devin Amu Mansa. Formerly the center Formerly of the Michigan, of the Michigan Stars, Stars right, and right. now Detroit City FC. He is, yeah, he has played two seasons for the Michigan Stars and, <laughs> um, and you know, hasn't said a, 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 a bad word against the Stars. He's been very, very professional. And a lot of what I was writing about is how he just seemed to be a guy who, like, like he, the, the madness never resonated with him. He was always just kind of above it, you know, was like wasn't about it. And, um, and, you know, and he's a good player, you know, um, so I, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's kind of what I, I was kind of meditating on the, the craziness of the stars and the fact that he was really very steady, um, for a team that was, you know, I mean, obviously not, I'm not just talking about the madness of them, the owner assaulting fans and all that stuff, but I'm talking about like the way they played, the way they, you know, they seem to have a tendency to kind of come apart emotionally. Um, if they gave up a goal late in the game, they'd give up two or three. Um, and, um, you know, he was always like in the middle of it playing just fine. Like while everyone else around him is just inexplicably like just lost their minds. He's just sort of like, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I can, I'm going to do what I can do. <laughs> I'd like to read you back a quote from that piece. He, from uh, your essay, uh, he played steady football while part of a star side which was wobbling uh, <laughs> emotionally side to side like a clown in clipped down shoes. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, honestly, I don't. Uh, I don't know how like I'm, I'm like a goal scorer. You know, I don't quite know how the, all that happens. Like um, I get into the moment and I'm like just trying to think of the best way to describe it and like i i remember when i was a little kid seeing a little illustration of how clowns do that thing where they look like they're going to one side you know and that they've got these shoes that they kind of slid into little clips on the floor so they can you know so that's what i was (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's to be fair uh that is a part um that uh excerpt is from his essay uh about devin amumensa where he tries to write the entire piece without actually mentioning the team that he uh right. played for 
I did. I I left some mentions of the stars in there just because I wanted to. I wanted to make sure that there weren't new people who were like, "Man, what the heck is this?" You know. Like, so you know, there's like a couple mentions, but mostly it's the team that we won't mention or won't talk about. Or <laughs> so so far, ten players. So at the mm-hmm. back, uh, we've talked about uh, Mr. Steinwasher, and uh, backstory on him is. Uh, while watching an Oakland County FC versus Carpathia game, he was randomly in the game for uh, Carpathia. So he'd played for both of those teams. Wow. And, and uh, um, he just had uh, a pop to his play that was, was pretty clear seeing him. Mm-hmm. That that was probably 18 or 19. And, yeah. uh, and, and when I, whenever I asked about him, everyone always described him. He just always plays bigger than himself. And that bigger right. than himself seems to be only getting ever bigger. Right. He, you know, um, I mean, he's a, he's a self-made keeper. Like he is dramatically better than he was say three years ago. Um, and it's all because of him and his work ethic and his willingness to really look hard at what his weaknesses are and then train hard at them. Um, you know, before he did the, the little getaway to Costa Rica, he was not good with his feet. Really? What, like this wasn't reliable. Um, he was a shot stopper only. Um, he was a little bit, you know, He's a little bit shaky in the air. He wasn't great with his feet. Um, you know, all of the things that weren't laying out and, and saving a shot, he, he needed some work on. Um, then he, he did that uh, that six months in Sweden uh, um, and came back and, like, you know, fought for the city job and, and kept getting replaced. Like, you know, that's what I was saying about him believing in himself. Like, he just kept going. I mean, this is likely to be another version of that story this year. You know, I said in the preview, like that I wrote way back on January 3rd, like, you know, Nate is likely to get an opportunity to prove that he can do it, but he's going to be competing against guys who are like, you know, probably fairly gigantic and also good keepers. Um, and you know, he's going to have to find another level. Um, but Every time we've said that, and we've said it repeatedly, like f- over the last five years, every time we said that, he's found a new level. So, you know, uh, you know, as, I think he's twenty eight, but as a keeper, you know, twenty eight, like that's just getting into the good good years. You know, most keepers are twenty eight to thirty four. That's when they're really really good if they're full time professional guys. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, funnily enough, we're seeing that uh, in the national team scape, uh, Matt yeah. Turner is in contention for the number one spot. And apparently he didn't uh, start playing until he was 14 years old. So it's definitely, uh, I feel like kids in the youth game, it's like just, you know, rotation of who's in there, but it's not. So you're an adult that, you know, that that next level seemingly uh you know, grows and right. years. I mean, but, obviously there's certain like technical skills you're never going to get. If you, if you start playing at 14, that kind <laughs> of, that kind of like instinctive use of the ball that a kid who's grown up with the ball at their feet, all their, all their life is going to have, you're not going to have that, but you can have, you know, I mean, 14, that's not that late. You know, if you're, if you're a good athlete, which Matt Turner is and you're, de- and you're devoted, you know, I mean, there's a lot you can do. I mean, you know, if you're devoted and you grow to be really tall, especially <laughs> as a keeper, you know, wow. That's, a, you know, I mean, I, I watching him progress over the years is, uh, has been really cool, you know? Um, so, 
moving Matt Turner, on. Matt Turner and Nate Steinwasher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> moving up the field from Steinwasher, right. we'll go to the uh, bank of defenders that uh, we already have. Uh, we, we spoke about uh, Devin Amu Mensa, and then we have the returner uh, duo of Carol and Lewis. Right. And then um, uh, we have a new name, uh, Reese Williams. Reese Williams. Um, so I'll talk about the new guy first. Um, Reese Williams is an absolutely lights out um, man to man defender on either flank. Um, you know, uh, like an incredible athlete, a, a guy who's got decent size and plus quickness, plus strength, um, really great mentality. Um, he's not bad going forward, but I mean, where the, the reason he's on this roster and the reason that he has a fairly high upside is that he can get on a winger and make life hard for them. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I expect to see him, uh, he could play on either flank really given what he does. Um, it depends on, you know, what, who else Travis signs in the next you know month or so, but. Yeah, I expect him to start. Um, and then the center backs, you know, Stevie and Matt. Um, we just announced Matt yesterday. Um, Stevie was the first one announced. Um, fantastic. You know, I I, uh, I do think there are questions around um, around the around Stevie's athleticism at this level. Um, but I also think that he is increasingly a player who is not playing. Um, the game on an athletic level he's playing on a mental level and that's going to continue to get sharper um and then he and he and matt have a tremendous um rapport on the field um a tremendous like bond and sense of responsibility to each other you know they really they really hold each other to a high standard and you know having that established partnership as we move up is is really really super great yeah um the most uh, of any position so far with four in the back line, it shows where there was impetus to, to get some quality up uh, right away at the uh, the back. I'm sure that the defenders were, are definitely going to have a tough task uh, this year. It seem it would seem. Yeah. I mean, um, as we, as we go to, um, as we move up the field, I think that there's hope because, um, I don't think the defense is going to have just lots of free runners coming loose from them and lots of, lots of, you know, they're not going to be constantly chasing balls in behind or anything because the guys they've recruited in, in the center of midfield, which are Maxi Rodriguez as a returner and Le Jop as a sort of delayed returner who played with us in the 2019 NPSL and since then has played two years in the USL championship for Atlanta too. Um, and then finally, um, Dunwood, who we talked about earlier. Um, and I, you know, that right there is a workable starting three man midfield lay, lay job at the base, you know, kind of cleaning up in front of the defense, Maxi Rodriguez working box to box and trying to, you know, explode in late and the, um, and Dunwell as a connecting piece, um, kind of in the, what we would call the Bakey Goodman mode from years ago, you know, um, Bakey was one of those guys who um, didn't appear on the, the score sheet often, but really was obviously crucial to the working of the possession game of the team when you when you saw it. Um, so, um, yeah. 
it seems like you definitely need some pop to uh, to turn and be able to step through and get get beyond the defending midfielders. And um, that's definitely something when you see teams of different levels go against each other is something that you might be able to turn a guy at one right. level and, and not be able to to turn and jump out away from him, you know, right. up here. I think that um, there's going to be some other guys, some maybe some returners or some guys that we're familiar with who will be given chances to trial. Um, because you're, you're right, it is it is difficult a lot of times to determine what parts of a guy's game is going to translate to the next level. Um you know, where, okay, so you're playing in NISA, um, you know, you generally don't have like a, a strong, cohesive, athletic back four that you're facing where each of the four players in a, in a NISA squad is like really good at what they do and, um, and you know, athletically on your level. Um, and we're going to face that with virtually every team we play this year. Um, you know, we're going to face, um, guys that are really quick, you know, attacking players who can, who can do stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I, I really like what Trevor has done with building this team with like kind of back heavy to begin with. It's, it's midfielders and defenders. Uh, you know, we got, we got a goalkeeper in, we got two attacking players, which we haven't talked about yet, um, out of the 10. But that allows you to now you've got 15 roster slots where you and uh, presumably a, a, a huge chunk of your budget um, still available. And you can you can start inviting, you know, invite a few guys in um, and see what they got. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I think that it, we're going to have a really, really interesting preseason. Yeah, um, when does preseason actually kick off? I, I'm not I. I'm not sure. I asked the other day and I haven't gotten an answer. Back I, I, I'm guessing. I guess I was curious on this third week of January after having the 10, like what is actively going on? Are they having like trial sessions like well, this uh, week, next week? There's lots of, there's lots of guys um, working out um, individually, but I don't think they've gathered yet as a team. Um, I just say that because like, I know the other day that like Steve, Stevie Carroll and, um, Brad Dunwell were together at like, you know, Premier Sports or someplace working out. You know, they like they like put it on Instagram or something. It's like, oh, okay, so they're still doing daily workouts. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not. I don't have a mind meld with anybody in the club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I try to leave them alone as much as I can. You know, like, um, and kind of do my thing off the shoulder of it. Fair enough, and. To round out this first uh, batch of 10 players, mm-hmm. uh, Connor Rutz and uh, Botello Faz, who we touched on uh, Faz a bit, right. but not so much Connor Rutz, uh, a local guy. Connor Rutz, a local guy, um, won the Black Arrow this year as our as the MVP um, and, you know, really deserving. I mean, a guy who's absolutely deserving of getting a look at this level. Um, uh, you know, I think when he when he started the very first Nisa match, everyone was a little puzzled. Like, who's this kid? What is he, you know, <laughs> what's his story? Uh, but since then we've really, you know, gotten to see him develop into a, a kind of a modern thing, which is, um, he's a, he's kind of a tweener, uh, an inside winger. Um, 
uh, a pressing forward, kind of a second forward. You know, I mean, he's he's a guy who can run all day and creates um, uh, lots of uh, lots of opportunities for himself and for others. Um, and you know, we've, his game has gotten a lot cleaner over the years. That's exciting. So, uh, with that first set out of the way, <laughs> in fantasy world, who would you uh, love to see land? Do you have any? Uh, reality based or just fantastical uh, hopes for who who comes into Detroit City's uh, initial USL Championship squad? I think that we are going to have that Trevor is going to turn up a player that we have not heard of, who's better than anybody I would mention right now. Um, but having said that, for me, the guy that I've watched play, you know, over the last maybe few years that I would just love to see because I personally like, like his game is David Akam um, or Akam. I don't know. They keep changing the way they say his name, but he was the, he, he was the inside left for the fire. Um, I think he might be playing for like a USL championship side um, or might, maybe Nashville and MLS. I don't know, but he, you know, he's a guy who um, uh, in his day, I, I just thought was, fairly amazing and seeing him in the Russian gold. I would love that, but I don't think that's really going to happen. <laughs> that's a cool shout though. I, uh, I covered, uh, that fire team when he was in it and, uh, got to interview him in, in the locker room once or twice. And I, yeah, he, he always seemed like, uh, uh, in, in, in the right setting, he, he, he could be amazing. Well, and, you know, I feel like the, that fire team got a lot out of him. Like they knew how to use him. Um, they knew how his pace would unbalance defenses and kind of put them in that, that like Jordan posterized mode where they just didn't want to get humiliated, you know? So they'd like play really scared and that gave everybody else so much space. Um, so yeah, I mean, I covered that team too. And I, I, I love that dude. So, uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, you're great, great insight. And I uh, couldn't say enough about this whole period has been, uh, soccer nerds, um, great great period of time but uh tell the people where they can uh, read your essays okay so yes um it's a it's a patreon blog um which means some of it's paywalled the paywall is three dollars a month so you know it's not a ton of money but it's at patreon.com slash words about shapes all all one word words about shapes um and yeah that's uh that's where i mean I, i you know I'm very excited about um, getting some trialists in and the whole next round, uh, all this, you know, building a team. It's great. Uh, Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, Sean Spence, thank you so much for spending so much time with uh, Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Robert, it's a pleasure. Thanks again. Guest contributor Kyle Clayton gets to sit down and have a great discussion about graphic design and video production with Detroit City FC's John Hevron. All right, what is up, Michigan Soccer Central podcast? My name is Kyle Clayton. Uh, 
marketing member for the Midwest Premier League, and I'm here in a little bit different of a capacity this time. Uh, last time I was a guest, but this time I've got a guest of my own. Uh, John Hevron is joining me. He is the uh, videographer, graphic designer, and director of creative content for Detroit City. Uh, you've probably not heard his voice before, but you've definitely seen his work before. He's all over the Detroit City FC Twitter. Uh, John, how are you? I'm doing great, Kyle. Appreciate you uh, having me on and uh, the introduction. Yeah, so want to talk about, obviously, your role with Detroit City FC. Um, a lot of those new graphics coming out are your work. Um, walk us through kind of like uh, what's what's going on at Detroit City and how, how your preseason's been going. Yeah, so uh, to, to start off with, definitely have to. Uh, so the, the new player announcements coming out, a lot of our, our digital advertising, um, it, it's it's really cool this time around. This is my second stint with Detroit City at this point, and uh, this time around it's been a lot of fun in that I get to collaborate with another designer. Um, De- Devontae Kennedy is now on staff as, as a graphic mm-hmm. designer. He came in um, at toward the beginning of last season of the 2021 season, so uh, we went through a ton of drafts uh, getting together this this 2022 look and feel, but um, yeah, we got we liked where we were at, and right now, uh, aside from just getting ready for some USLW player announcements coming up here soon, mm. um, continuing on with the men's side on the championship, of course, but also trying to just get ready for a soccer season here starts real soon. I think we're about 54, 53 days away from the home opener. Yep. Um, so so looking at uh, getting that social content ready for uh, for in match too. Yeah. So what went into the kind of creation? I want I'm I kind of just want to pick your brain about the design process for getting, you know, the template for these player announcements and just the general feel for DCFC Twitter right now. It, it has its it has a very unique feel to it. It's uh, it's very intentional with uh, with the messaging and. And really, too, it's it's a lot of fun because we get to have people in our front office right now in positions that they, they really excel at. Um, Katie, our social media manager, is always crushing it with engagement. Um, she's always making sure that we have something fun up there with uh, for NGS and, and for folks to, to go back and forth with on social media. And she manages those channels really well. Helps us out, too, with uh, myself and Devante and trying to navigate, you know, uh, couple of years ago, I was designing a lot of 16 by nine ratio graphics or a lot of a thousand pixels by 1200. And now we're looking at that one by one ratio a lot more. Um, so she's just keeping us up to date on trends and what's really working on social media. And then in terms of just the brand and overall look that that started with Alex, right? Our, our chief creative officer um, going into this year, we really wanted to, it, it was awkward with the roster transition because we didn't know as a design staff who's coming back from the NISA squad compared to the USL championship squad. And we had to start getting ready, obviously. Um, so for us, it was, it was kind of a no brainer and, and just speaks to, you know, really what our club is about, which is the community and our supporters. And so we wanted to make them, you know, the focal point and what, what our branding was going to be this year. And so you see a lot of the smoke that you would see at, at a match coming from the supporter section. Yeah. We're trying to tie in Keyworth a little bit more. Again, it's a historical venue for us and it's our home. Um, so again, it's, it's trying to pull in those different elements. And one thing this year too, um, we're trying to develop a little bit more of a unique pattern with different branding elements, playing with our nickname La Rouge, trying to play mm-hmm. off different elements from the Detroit city flag. Um, so you'll see the three lions on there. You'll see a lot of Florida Lees um, and some of those stripes as well. So it's been a lot of fun just to kind of dive a little bit into 
Detroit's history and some of Detroit's branding elements and then combine that with what a what a match day at Keyworth would look like. Yeah, so Detroit City FC obviously on the up joining USL Championship this coming season. Um, what has kind of your introduction to Detroit City been like? How did you first get involved with the club and uh, how, has it, how has it changed since then? Oh, it's uh, completely my wife's fault. I blame her 100%. <laughs> Um, so I, way, my, it, it, perfectly in a good way. It's, it's yeah. her fault that a lot of my, my paychecks go to our club shop and most of the wardrobe is DCFC now. Yeah. Um, but my, my first introduction was as a, as a fan going to a match, it was, uh, it was a playoff match back in, um, the MPSL days. I believe it was Minneapolis city, um, that we were playing, but no, yeah, I went as a supporter, um, my wife's friends were, were members of NGS and, and always in the supporter section. And so a couple of years later, I was actually living out West, um, still dating my now wife at that time. And I was uh, getting engaged and we had talked about what are we, are we going to live in Washington? We're going to live in Michigan. What's going to happen? And we decided just because our families were already in Michigan, that made a lot of sense to stay in the Metro Detroit area. And so I moved back here. Um, and around that time, I was working up at Oakland University in Rochester, and uh, Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies in LaRouche, yeah. um, actually was the one that hooked me up with the club. He knew Sean, and they were looking for a graphic designer, videographer, um, and then the rest is kind of history. I started with the club five days before the state of Michigan went into shutdown for COVID. Um, oh, wow. For the 2020 season. Yeah, we had five days in the office, and then, you know, what was that, about four months at home? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was an interesting introduction to the club, but um, it was good because I got to really dive deep in the history of the club, um, go through a lot of old footage in the archives, and just kind of see what the look has been, and um, look back at those historical moments, especially in that first year because of COVID. We had a really limited staff, um, so mm -hmm. I was doing social media, graphics, video, uh, managing the communications and media relations side of things as well. So. Um, the big thing with the club now is, you know, the, we have a built a, a much more built out front office, which is really great to see. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it's we're getting people that are really good in their area so that they can strive in those spots. Um, and then, you know, it's just the, the growth overall with the club. You know, when I first started the women's team, we had just started talking. We were just getting ready for that. That first abbreviated. We had a showcase at Keyworth and and now, you know, we're, we're in USLW. They had last year we had the first and second teams on the men's and women's side. Um, this year we're looking, we're really excited at, at looking at developing out, developing out the youth a little bit more with, with the Academy Cup. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things with the move to the USL for sure. Yeah. Does that add any sort of pressure to you as a creator to that the club is constantly moving upward and that, I don't know, for me, at least when I'm making content, I like to level up every single time. So if it's a USL championship club, then maybe I just have to make my work just that little bit better. Is that something that goes through your mind? Oh, absolutely. I'm a very competitive person. Uh, <laughs> so it was, and it was fun too. Uh, so we got to go down to Tampa uh, a little bit earlier this year to, for the, the winter meetings for the USL and, and part of the winter meetings, they actually, the USL recognizes best in creative and best in social media. Um, and so we came back from those meetings all, all fired up. We were ready to go um, to make our mark here in year one creatively. Um, but no, there's always that pressure. I, I've already picked out the clubs that I look at. It's uh, kind of fun. A designer I used to work with uh, in a previous role 
is actually with a, a club in USL championship. So it's, it's already been fun to, to go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, a totally new roster of competition compared to previous years. Um, so you've been involved with, you know, graphic design videography um, for a while now. Can you kind of run us through like what your what your introduction to design and, and the creative um, services was like? Yeah, uh, without boring you too much with it, uh, I was I was self-taught in college. I was growing up. I, I've always loved design. I, I always made a lot of T-shirt designs in high school. Messed around in Microsoft Paint in middle school, making like different wallpapers with paint, which you can imagine how atrocious those would have looked. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so it was always in the back of my mind. And then when I got to college, I actually started off in athletic training um, before switching to architecture. Um, and then I decided to change again. Somehow I managed to graduate in four years. I'm not sure how, um, but then I went to, I found sport management and that kind of led one thing to another, but I was doing a minor in journalism and I had a Photoshop class and it brought back all of my old, wonderful feelings about design. And I just took a deep dive. And around that same time I was interning while I was finishing up my, my degree with central Michigan. Um, in their athletic department. So I was already in in the athletic world. I was getting to work on social media a little bit with uh, being a sports information director. Um, And then I just started introducing that graphic design component, Um, just whatever sports I was covering that year, I was really active in covering softball. Yeah. Um, So any, any opportunity I had to do a graphic, I did. Um, But for the first four, four years of my career, I, I was actually in communications and just doing graphics on the side. Um, and then I finally, with Michigan State, had an opportunity. I had done graphics on the side enough. I had built up a portfolio that um, Michigan State brought me on board as as their full-time graphic designer. Um, and then I got to, from there, just started picking up the video kind of similar to, to graphics. Just started yeah. getting into Premiere, started shooting a little bit more. Um, and then eventually I had a, a position with Lawrence Tech that it was pretty hybrid between graphics and video before heading out to, as I mentioned earlier, Washington. Uh, I was working doing recruiting content and creative content, both video and graphics for Washington State football, um, which is a whole different world once you get into college recruiting. It's yeah. uh, different different scene, different pace than, than a lot of things I've seen in sports, for sure. Um, but no, it's been a lot of trial and error and a lot of YouTube, um, just to teach yourself. <laughs> yeah, just teach yourself. Just go online and watch tutorials for hours on end and you'll come oh. up with something, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can imagine it, you can YouTube it. That's for sure. <laughs> right. So has soccer always been one of your goals or was this kind of just uh, something you stumbled upon? Um, you know, I think that, that depends on when you ask me in life. Uh, early on in life, absolutely. Uh, soccer, I, I played soccer for 11 years. But, you know, early, early on, you know, in high school, I started running cross country and absolutely fell in love with it and then ended up um, running in college for a little bit before doing some road racing after college. But long story short, uh, at first, yeah, I I was really into soccer and it always been there and I've always enjoyed the sport. Um, When I was a GA at West Virginia, I got to work with with the women's soccer team down there and they've got Mm -hmm. uh, a really, really good program on the women's side, men's side as well. But women's uh, coach Nikki Izzo-Brown is doing a phenomenal job. She's she's gotten a few Canadian national players uh, to play down Mm -hmm. there. Um, But no, so it's always been there and I kind of let it take a side side plate with with college athletics in general. I got into just working for athletic departments overall working with every single sport 
Um, and then at, at one point in my career, I really did want to focus in on, on the recruiting side. It was something that I hadn't done yet. Um, there's a lot of very talented designers and, and creatives that work in the recruiting space. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a very competitive person. So I wanted to, I wanted to get into that world and just see how I could, how I could fare with everybody else. And, um, had a great time, uh, say some priorities in life change, but, um, it's incredible how fast I've gotten into DCFC culture, uh, and, and just soccer yeah. in general. Now it's, it's all I consume. It's, it's soccer 24 seven domestic international, anything I can consume about it. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's wonderful how you are able to just kind of invest in it and, and have it, have it become a major part of your part of your life. Um, so working there feels like it's got to be a very fun environment. You've got a lot to work with. You've got obviously historic Keyworth. Um, Detroit has a very, um, very uh, unique brand. They have, it, it, it's been building for years. Um, what is it, what, how does it feel to be able to contribute to that and be able to contribute to a championship team in the city of Detroit? Oh, it's a, it's a huge honor. I, I constantly tell, tell my family members and my wife that I feel an incredible amount of civic pride and city pride. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I wasn't from Detroit. I was, I was from Rochester in the Metro Detroit area. Um, so grew out about 25 miles north of Detroit. But I, I was the kid that as soon as I graduated high school, I wanted to be nowhere in Michigan. I wanted to, mm -hmm. I, I was joking with my parents. I wanted to go to Cal, Cal Berkeley. It was the furthest away I could think of aside from Hawaii yeah. um, to go to college. And I, I, so I, it was kind of funny. I ended up back in Michigan for part of my college uh, education and then also a little bit for work. And then I left again with that same mindset of, all right, this is it. I'm never coming back. And somehow I keep coming back here. And, and this time around, it's, uh, it's, I love it here. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm kind of over that. And, you know, for me, as you mentioned, like the, I, I always look back, I'm, I always think of the, the NISA, the first NISA title that the club won back in 2020 in the fall tournament. Um, we were at Keyworth. It was our first professional trophy. And I, I went to Keyworth Stadium in fourth, starting in fourth grade for my high school's football games. You know, my brother was mm -hmm. in high school. I would go see all of our games there. So like I grew up in that stadium and to see it transform and to be part of that club. Uh, I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. And the little yeah. choked up. I came home that night and sat on my porch and just, you know, till two in the morning, just scrolling through Twitter, just looking at everything, seeing how how happy everyone in this community was. It was it was unbelievable. So to be able to co to contribute to that and help shape what that visual identity is, there's a lot of pressure because it is your hometown. You you want to make it look good, um, but there is a lot of pride to be able to say, hey, I, I get to contribute to one of the professional sports teams here in Detroit. There's only so many, so right. What was the um, what was the inspiration behind this season's branding as compared to other seasons? Like, did you did you grab anything specific that maybe not a lot of people are paying attention to, or like, are there some like Easter eggs that we're missing, or what was the sort of inspiration? So, uh, so as a, there is an Easter egg that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, though the overall um, really stemmed from when we we put together um, when Alex Wright put together the the script and the messaging for our announcement video into the USL. Um, a lot of it was about moving forward and a lot of it was about memories. And, and one of the taglines that we're working with heading into this season is memories can't wait. Um, mm -hmm. You know, saying that again, you know, don't, don't, don't wait to come to a city match. You know, you're, you're going to have a great time. 
you know, the, the time for it is right now. We're going to the USL championship. And so we wanted to have, as I mentioned earlier, the supporters be really that forefront and in, in some of that look and, and having the smoke tied into a lot of what we're doing. Um, color scheme wise, we've, we've really, we've kind of gone back to an older, older combination of the Rouge and Gold. And that's one of the fun things about working with the club. You know, we do have this, this brand that's been building up for 10 years now. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of freedom, and, and Alex is is great with Devonte and I, and letting us play with that a little bit. You know, I, I'm not sure how many people actually realize this or not, but Verdigris, there is a shade of green in our color palette that is an official DCFC color um, that we don't really bring out that often. It's been pretty reserved, so you might see that a little bit more this year. Um, as I mentioned, we're, we're, we brightened up the gold a little bit. Um, yeah. But then you see a lot of in our textural patterns. That's that's our Easter egg. If you pay attention to our textural pattern um, that we're using in backgrounds and, and behind cutouts right now, um, that color scheme could, could tie in with some stuff that we'll see. Uh, um, you know, last year's color scheme, I tried to match the kits. And so I tried to, Devante and I were trying to do something similar. Maybe not the kits, maybe something else. I'm not going to mm. spoil that part of it, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, we were trying to play around a little bit, trying to match what our social look is with, uh, with the rest of the identity of the club. Yeah. A little teaser, maybe kits, maybe not kits. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. <laughs> I do see, I do see the green. I'm looking at a few of the graphics right now. I do see the green, uh, incorporated. Yeah. With, with the green, the, the things this year, yeah, the gold, the green, uh, playing with Rouge on Rouge a little bit more, um, which is something that as a designer is kind of tricky. Um, as a creative yourself, I'm sure you can, as you, you know, it's tough sometimes when you're trying to match up the same yeah. color, but different shades, but um, mm-hmm. it's something that we felt like we wanted to move forward with this year. And then that look. Yeah. So you mentioned Nisa. Um, you have done work for Nisa last year. You were the league videographer. Um, what is the difference between maybe working for an entire league as compared to a singular club? Like run us through kind of kind of the difference of workflow and, and what that's like. Yeah, it's a, a lot of different type of content. Um, it's a lot of, you know, when you're on the league side, you kind of go into everything with the mindset of um, either this is going to have to represent, you know, last year we had 10 clubs playing in the, in the fall season. So this has to represent 10 clubs or I have to be able to do this 10 different times and replicate mm-hmm. this in 10 different color palettes in, in order to, to do this graphic. So it's a little bit different mindset with, with the league. Again, you're trying to overall, you want the, you're trying to promote the league and do that through the individual clubs themselves Um, on the team side, the content, you know, it's different type of content for social in match coverage is good, is, is very different. Um, But I definitely miss the team side because the team side, you know, you get to, you get to know the players a little bit better. You're, you're around them more. Um, And for me, I, I really, I enjoyed my time with Nisa um truly did uh that mm-hmm. and again i they, they gave me an opportunity that i was looking for at, at the moment um but to come back to detroit city it, it it means a lot to be able to come back to to the hometown club um and also just again i'm a supporter myself of, of gcfc when i yeah when when you first get into this it's it's hard to to not fall in love with everything around match day and everything the club is doing and, and how they're going about their business um how they're moving forward and really trying to Again, not only create a stable soccer environment, you know, here locally, but also just overall nationally. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a special place for sure. And it's a little bit, as I said, it's a little bit different in terms of what you're doing individually with the design. But when you get into the individual club perspective of it, 
um, you get to really take a deep dive into the brand, which is where I get to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And obviously one of the things you're working on right now is player announcements. Um, it's, it feels like it's a lot of work to, to make a unique graphic for every single player for the club. How, how has that experience been so far? Um, we're, we're very blessed with Detroit city. Uh, we've been, well, so far, you know, a lot of it has been returners, um, mm-hmm. guys that, that played last year and, um, you know, for, for Devante and I and the creative staff at DCFC, it's it's a great club to be a creative with because creative is a priority. Uh, what our visual identity is on social media um, is very, very important, and it always has been. It, it stems from, you know, I think a lot from Alex Wright, um, one of the original co-founders of the club, coming from a media background himself, he always placed that priority. So we've always had great photography with John DeBoer. We've always mm-hmm. had great videography with with uh, with. Uh, Chad here that shoots locally, um, and then I, I, the last couple of seasons I've been lucky enough to get able to to shoot as well. Um, so we've had great visuals to rely upon, um, and then at this level, you know, with bringing in you know Brad Dunwell, who we announced recently, um, you know, we're in a league now with with clubs that have that similar priority. Um, with NISA, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's budget constraints with with clubs, um, so we didn't always have those those resources, those assets to be able to work with. So um, it, it has been nice with that jump up. Again, there's more clubs that have that that priority that make creative, you know, an important part of what they're doing. So those those assets, it's been it hasn't been too bad to answer your question, uh, just yeah. because you know we we've had those assets available. Um, you know, it is tough because you have to think about all right, newcomers we're probably not going to have video footage of. So what are we going to do mm-hmm. for a motion graphic when we don't have have that? So it's you know just trying to add some sort of motion or animation to some still photos. Um, but you know, those are all just part of the design process when you work through it. Is that, um, are those assets one of the big like selling points for Detroit? The fact that they have had this sort of foundation and the fact that you don't really have to, I mean, you don't really have to create everything from scratch. You have, you have resources to rely upon. Yeah, it's, it it is great to to be able to have those resources. And and for me, one of my favorite things to do is to go out and shoot a match um, Mm -hmm. or go out to training and and put together a training report and just get some, some highlights from there and a couple of interviews I really do enjoy shooting. And and so to be able to have a club that, that backs that up, that wants that content um, is great. Um, And again, that's just kind of been the mindset overall at DCFC. So it definitely does help. And I think the guys enjoy it too. And, and, and on the women's side as well, I I can tell you on, you know, when we were putting together recruiting materials on, on the women's team side, you know, that is something that we talk to them about is, is the social media presence that DCFC has, um, especially compared to a lot of clubs, you know, at that level a year ago. Yeah. So are we preparing to see more motion graphics or is it, are we getting a good mix still? Because I, I know a lot of teams are trying to mix towards motion graphics nowadays. Um, is that something that you are trying to trying to implement more into your workflow? Uh, I think so, definitely. As I mentioned earlier, it's awesome this this go around with with DCFC and that um, we have a full time graphic designer and uh, Devante on staff, and so we get to break up some of that workload and, and try to do a little bit more. Um, right now. We got season tickets going and, and we're trying to push season tickets. And anyone listening, if you haven't bought season tickets to DCFC, it's a great value starting at $150 for men's and women's home games. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Tickets.cityfc.com. 
So uh, there's my plug for the day. With uh, with our season ticket push right now on our digital ad space, um, you know, analytically we're trying to see what do, does better in stills versus motion. And again, the fact that yeah. we're having those conversations that we're, you know, that's again, I mentioned earlier, we're very intentional in our messaging and what we're putting out. And so we, we track those analytics. We want to make sure what we're doing is working, um, that mm-hmm. people are enjoying it and engaging with that content. And so we have been trying more motion graphics and, um, again, just having a couple creatives on staff. Now we get to divide up the the labor a little bit more. And so we, we are trying to have more content during matches this year. I think that's another great sign of how, uh, of how DCFC has grown. Um, you see a lot of the teams at, you know, NPSL levels and even, I mean, some of the, some of the other levels in soccer uh, just kind of make content and throw it out. And it's just kind of like, there isn't as much of a plan and to see DCFC have like that, that um, dedicated plan and have, you know, um, the analytics and all of that is, is a very good sign um, to see how, how they're handling and how they're approaching um, social media as well as, you know, results on the field and, and business as well. So that's great to see. Oh yeah, definitely. And as, as you mentioned, it's, it's club wide, you know, we, we have social media meetings uh, monthly with our youth affiliates. It's uh, something we're in constant communication with our, our, our youth director as well, over trying to make sure that club wide across, you know, if it's DCFC West, DCFC downriver, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, the first team on, on the men's or women's side, that it all comes from that same breath. It all looks like it's coming from that same place. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, anything else you can tease about your, uh, about your work for the upcoming season? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's just that time of year in, in general. I, I've only seen one tweet about it on social media, but, uh, it's that time of year for, for kits to start coming together. Ooh. So that's going to be a big February, uh, for us because, you know, we'll start playing in March, so we better have uniforms by March, but <laughs> looking, looking forward to a kit launch video then. Yes. As, as I mentioned that, that will be, uh, that, that might be the fun coming up here and player announcements are, will always be uh, rolling through here throughout the month, but um, no, we're excited to actually have uh, players arrive in Detroit as well. That's coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited to actually get back into a, a routine with training. So you mentioned, you know, like your passion for DCFC um, when you're working, you know, like when you're shooting video for the club, um, how hard is it for you to kind of separate yourself from the fan and like, make sure, you know, like you're getting all these shots and make sure you're focused on like your craft and not, you know, just like, Oh, this is so exciting. And like, Oh, we just scored a goal, whatever, whatever. Um, how hard is it to, you know, separate the two? Um, you know, it's a, that's a, I, I really like this question. Um, <laughs> I have been very good throughout my career. Uh, there, <laughs> if you ever work in a press box, especially like, you know, I'll use West Virginia as an example, a West Virginia football game. You're going to hear an announcement that this is a working press box and that you Mm -hmm. must maintain professionalism at all times. And coming from the athletic communications world, um, I was very trained that, you know, you're, you're a worker, you're, you're a support staff that yes, you know, you're working for say West Virginia, but um, you're a member of the media and you have to have that professional attitude at all times around the stadium. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was very good at that. I've, I've always enjoyed, the teams that I've gotten to work with, but up until Detroit city, I've been extremely good um, separating my fanness and my professionalism. And with DCFC, it is so hard for me to, when I was with Nisa, it was very difficult, like going down to Chattanooga 
um, for the match. It was a match of the week down in Chattanooga between DCFC. Um, and that was like tough. That was very tough for me. Yazid had a scissor kick to win it in like the 90th minute. And of course, yeah, like yeah. after I get the clip, I'm going to start going nuts. I give a fist pump. Uh, there are a couple, couple calls in that game that I might've, you know, turned and looked at Katie who was down there with, with DCFC, uh, doing social media. And, you know, we might've exchanged a look there after a couple calls, but, um, so, you know, it's just I, kind of growing up in the industry, you're, you're trained to separate that. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, every now and then that, that a little bit, a little bit of emotion will, will creep out on match day. Do you uh, do you have any predictions for how this season's going to go? You've seen obviously more of the roster than probably any of us have seen. So, do you have any predictions uh, no. for how this season's going to go for you? Oh no, I, I, what, what you guys know is what I know. So uh, we're all on the same page there. Um, oh really? You haven't you haven't seen the graphics before we have? Uh, you know, right, right now we uh, we have a little break coming up here. Um, Got you. So at least at least on the creative queue, we haven't seen the names come across yet. So. Uh, we're all up to date there currently. As I mentioned, next week we're excited to, to start getting some USLW announcements going. But on the men's side, you know, I don't know how – obviously I'm a homer. I'm, this is going to mm-hmm. be a completely biased take, of course, but I, I believe 100% in Trevor James. Um, he's been everywhere. He's he's coached and, and been a part of some of the highest levels of the sport. And I mm-hmm. don't think you can argue with, with the results he's had here in Detroit. So, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to go out and win the league – by any means. Um, but I, I do think we're going to be a tough out. It's going to be competitive. Um, yeah. From, from what we've seen so far, you've really got no reason to not trust in Trevor James. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal differentials, I mean, his, and bringing back the back line, you know, I think that's great, especially with Nate, you know, he's been playing with, with Matt for a couple of years now and Steve for a while. So communication will be there. I think it's a, I know there's been some social media back and forth on, on whether or not bringing all, having so many returners will be good into this next level. But, you know, one thing I haven't seen too much about is, you know, this is a core group that has played together and especially mm-hmm. in Trevor's system. I feel like that's really beneficial. Yeah. You've got that core group that played in Nisa together. You've got um, a few coming from Nisa as well. Amu Mensa, you've got Reese Williams. Those are both very exciting signings as well as um, Brad Dunwell, who has USL championship experience and among others, um, it's a very. It looks like it's going to be a very good squad um, that would have definitely dominated Nisa. So I'm very excited to see how they how they do in in USL Championship. That's for sure. Definitely, and you know, going back to an earlier question you had, it, that's part of the the fun part of seeing how the club is changing. Um, you know, overall, I think every single year you, you see this club, there's a, a better roster than the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something awesome. It's really fun to see, and especially as going up in the USLC and you know, bringing in guys like Brad um, out of the USL Championship that that had, I believe Brad was drafted in the MLS before he ended mm-hmm. up in, in the USL Championship. So, yep. yeah, the midfields, the midfield and back line are, are looking real good right now. Um, definitely excited to see what, what happens this year. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate the time you've given me. Um, and yeah, if we uh, have any links to your socials, you want to plug or? Oh man, just just go follow Detroit City. I'm boring. My my entire social media <laughs> feed is pretty much just Detroit City content. So that's, anything that's... you see from me, you might as well go get it from the source. <laughs> that's an incredible answer, John. You are dedicated <laughs> to the club, truly. All right, John. Thank you so much for your time. Talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it, Kyle.
That about does it for another episode of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Uh, Big thanks to the guests this week. Uh, Got really deep and detailed into the release of all these and this first wave of player announcements for Detroit City FC. They're really documenting and presenting this uh, unique moment uh, to 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 a great level. It's it's really uh, exciting that that's all happening right now. Um, Another note that I missed at the top of the show: Michigan related. Uh, United coaches, All-American were crowned, and we got two from Michigan. Congratulations to Jack Gugamus, who uh, from Okemos, who was on the show a couple months back for winning Mr. Soccer, as well as Nick Cassidy from Grand Rapids Christian, who was on after his high school uh, Grand Rapids Christian won the state title championship. So congratulations to those guys. And be sure to check out their episodes on the, the backlog on the Spotify playlist. Uh, thank you, listeners, for for tuning in through this whole episode. And thanks for listening to all the ones up until this point. And, and thank you to Jenny for editing the show, as always. And uh, thank you to all the whole MSC crew for uh, you know, bringing all this information together because uh, there's never a quiet moment in Michigan soccer. So my name's Robert Kerr. I've just said all my thanks, and we've talked a lot of soccer. So until next week, enjoy your soccer.